Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I am Anthony Salome, live with Alex Nicholas for another episode of the Rush Podcast here, October 19, 2016. Championship Series in baseball fully underway. So, season for the minors, halfway done, coming off the bye week. Basketball season, pretty much here, right around the corner. What else you got? So, uh, how did you enjoy your bye week besides <laughs> taking off your shirt and cheering for the Dallas Cowboys? I liked, I liked not having to worry about about what was going to happen with my minors. Hold up, hold up, listen, listen, listen. El Chingon. El Chingon IPA. Oh, you like that? That's cool, okay. Huh? You just wanted to press me. That's all you Cheers, wanted. Me. Cheers. I got the the Brambre Black Ghost. It's pretty good. There's plenty of different choices in there. Um, yeah, man. You know, hey, hopefully it was a week that was beneficial to the team that allowed them to get healthy, that allowed them to kind of gain their, their bearings again, get their feet underneath them again. Um, obviously, there's injuries throughout. You know, one of the biggest ones is Aaron. I mean, Alvin Jones. Uh, and Aaron's and Aaron, been banged up too, know. but, you know, Alvin Jones is huge for that defense, and he's been banged up all season just about. And, you know, hopefully this bye week did them did them well, and they were able to kind of recover from, from those injuries. And, I mean, it's it's – I don't want to say it's a new season because nothing's really changed just yet. But hey, Ryan Metz is back, right? As far as yep. like, he's been he's clear, clear to play. And, um, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I mean, yeah. Let's go with that. I mean, it's it's like you don't even want to go back and talk about the first half of the season because we already know. Well, well we played sixteen thirds. <laughs> yeah, real quick <laughs> in a one and five start. I mean, we all know what's, what's going on with them. We're struggling up front. You're struggling in the passing game defensively. Finally, the, the dam broke the past two weeks, you know, uh, going up against FIU. It, it, the dam finally broke. You know, we talked about how good they played in the past two weeks, you know, before the bye. So you go in with negative thoughts, you know, into the bye week. It was a dark place for a lot of UTEP fans. And you just imagine what these players and coaches were feeling like. But, you know, you talk about, you know, how the bye week is beneficial. You know, I want to start off today with, with what Sean Cougar was talking about on Monday, which, you know, Sean Cougar – there's a lot of coaches speak that gets thrown around and Sean Cougar do, uh, does it as well. But there's some times where I know he's really spitting, like he's spitting the truth, yeah. like where he's really trying, you know, you hear it all the time. We've heard coaches speak from different coaches that coach at UTEP. We all know who we're talking about. And, uh, but the first thing obviously was he said, they're getting healthy. And and that was important because he, he, I didn't know that Gino Breslin was beat up. So he mentioned him. He didn't, he mentioned Darren LaFossa because the guy that I kind of called out in my, uh, mid-season report card, not getting carries. Well, it turns out he's been banged up. You know, he's talking about the Jones brothers being back. That was number one. That was good to see that that was a priority because it's not – it's not – you know, everybody has injuries, but these this UTEP team doesn't have that much developed depth where an injury to a, a guy like Alvin Jones is going to just hurt you at linebacker. A guy with Darren LaFossa isn't 100%. They're not going to – that's why they haven't used the fullback that much in the running game. So it's good to see – that get accomplished healthy. But the next thing that really, really jumped at me, and I think overall, I mean, we've all talked about the issues with the passing game, da, 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 we just went over that. But the biggest thing that Chonko was talking about was the lack of energy. And it was so evident when they played FIU. When FIU was jumping around, up and down in the sidelines, hyped up, ready to go. Mind you, this is a team that's one and four. They lost their head coach. They were, play- I mean, they got mobbed the week before they were able to squeak out that win against SBU, but they looked like a team that was coming in here winning, trying to go for the conference championship. And UTEP all year has just kind of been that methodical in the pregame. I'm always down on the field. I like that in the pregame. I like to go down there. And the energy, he hit it right on the head. So to me, that was very, very good to see him just 
recognize that. And I mean, you you've gone to games too. Compared to the last couple of years, where you see that energy on the sideline, you see that kind of brotherhood or whatnot that they preach, that kind of went away. And I, and that's not saying that that's all going to cure everything, but that's a good point, and it shows how they're really, really looking down. Not just that, oh, well, we're not, we're only running the ball two point five yards per carry, this and that, but noticing that little, the little stuff that really leads to wins, and that's good to see the, the cooler to come out and, and really say that that's something you can keep in house or whatever, but for him to really go into detail and say that, I thought that was very, very, I don't know what is it, I guess. I don't know how you can, can say anything as positive in a one and five season, but it's just encouraging to see maybe there will be some improvement. Yeah. I mean, you hope that's the case, um, but things still have to translate on the football field and we just haven't seen it from the play calling from, from the production, the offense to, you know, the, even the defense, we, we've praised them quite a bit. But obviously, like you mentioned against FIU, the dam finally broke. Yeah. And, and so, you know, they, there's just been so many issues. The injuries have definitely piled up and affected it. But, you know, I, I just don't understand. Well, I shouldn't say I don't understand, but I don't see how this thing gets turned around at this point. I don't see how the ship gets righted at this point. Um, it, it's, you know, especially you come off a of bye week, you head out of town, going to play UCSA. That's a game where it seems like since we've played them three is it three years now? Yeah, three. Three years now, right? Um it just seems like the winner of that game every time we play them it has just controlled the game. Like it it, it hasn't really been like you know, it there hasn't been a close game between us yet. Nope. You know, the first year they came in we thought, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna take care of them here in El Paso and they came in here and they beat us by like twenty one or something, thirty four, thirteen or whatever that was. Easily. Um I, I don't remember what happened year two last year, right? Was the shutout year or was that year two? No, year two yeah. Okay, year two year two was over, over, over there, we yeah. had the shutout. Uh but it just seems like every year, you know, you, you it, it's the team that wins has complete control of the game. And if you, and if you look at what's happening right now, heading into this game, if you would have asked me four or five weeks ago, I would have thought UTEP would be the team that had the opportunity to go in there, you know, after the opening game, after the opening games and whatnot, you know, but UTSA is quietly strung together a little three and three run to start the season, two and one in conference play. So they're a team that's in much better, you know, in a much better place than the minors right now. So, you know, you talk about what's going on, you know, off the field and, and trying to get this team right, but I, I haven't seen it translate on the field, and I just don't understand. I don't see. I don't. I, I don't see what is going to change things to make that translate to on the field production. Well, let's get to that. To my next point on. I don't know if this is going to change anything. I just like the fact that this is something that we haven't heard before, and this is something that the next thing you talk about, where they're toning down the physicality and the competition and practice because they were trying to trying to play easy, you know, not trying to avoid injuries and whatnot. And being, and I'm, I'm just looking at this from a player's perspective, from being on a football team, like that, when, when, I, when I played at Andrews, we always would say some of our best games were our practices. Cause I mean, we were stacked, bro. And we would just go at each other because uh, we knew what the play was. I mean, we call, you know what I mean? We've been in the program two, three years and those practices were crunk as hell, bro. I'm talking about coming home bruised, but then on Friday night, you know, just mopping cats and not even having competition. I think that is something that I can relate to when Cougar talks about, you know, because when I, when I went to the couple of practices this year, it wasn't as physical or wasn't as grinding as it was the first couple of years of practice. I mean, they toned it down to Cougar dropping F-bombs, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that that is something that's very noticeable. And like you said, it, 
it, at this point, it does. It seems like yeah, throwing throwing the towel, whatever. But I just think that I, I continue to feel like Sean Coogler just has that mental know-how. Even though he's shown the X's and O's part, he's still behind as a head coach. But just these little adjustments like that could spark something because there is a lack of there is a lack of energy. I think also there might be a small lack of leadership on this team too in certain areas when the, when the game gets down or you know when things have gone bad, you just don't see that that vocal leader. I saw Darren LaFosta for the first time last weekend on the sideline. I could really say, okay, well there there's somebody getting vocal. I hadn't seen that. You know, and you don't need a raw raw guy all the time, but you need guys to step up and take accountability. And Ryan Metz could be that guy offensively. But once again, we just don't know coming off this bye week with so many issues and running into a buzzsaw, like could be a buzzsaw UTSA team that's really, really improving. And by the way, we're going to have Jared, our boy from uh, Underdog Dynasty, going to come on at 620 and spit a little road running knowledge. But I mean, it's just at this point, it's like we don't even want to see this miraculous five and one turn around and whatever, all all these dreams. It's just like at this point, we want to see just progression with the young guys that he talked about promoting up and in, in, in this new, whatever he wants to call it, of, of personnel adjustments, changes that they're going to make. Do you just want to see improvement out of that just to find some kind of identity? Is that kind of what UTEP may be just playing for at this point, just to salvage some type of identity, maybe even going forward and hell, maybe even going on a string and winning three or four games and making something interesting later? Yeah, later? I mean, for me, for me, we're starting to talk about, about Sean Coogler's job status here yeah. at Utah. You know, that's, that's, out that, that's, that's what the rest of this season is about. Because yeah. we're sitting at one and five, so a bowl game is just about out of the picture. So, you, I mean, you can close, you can almost close the door on that, yeah. you know. Um, but if, if you're going to buy into what this guy is selling for the next two, three years to give him that much longer, you know, you've got to see something. You've got to see something from this team. You've got to see him show the ability – to turn things around, to have the stamina to be able to withstand, you know, injuries and a slow start and, and some, some bad games and be able to overcome that, get his team to come back and perform, produce in the second half of the season and win some games. You know, I'm not saying six and six or anything like that, but, hey, if you can get to four and eight, you know, you finish three and three or – Take care of take care of your home game. Take care of your home games. You finish three and three or maybe possibly four and two in the last six, you know, that's something that, that, that you can build on going into next year. It's not the result that we wanted coming into the year, but it's something that you can use to, to kind of grow from. But, again, you know, for me, this is about Sean Coogler's future here. And now, you know, you talk about him, you know, still kind of having that – like he, he's pulling out all the stops. Yeah. He's, he's trying to do the right thing. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. I mean, I, I don't even know where we're at with this coach anymore, to be honest with you. Um I, to me, pulling out all the stops is saying what I've been trying to do is not working. And I'm not trying – you know, one of the main things that Sean Coogler wanted to do when he came in here, in here was build up our lines, you know, get things going right in the trenches and get these guys, you know, bring some big guys, boys that can push people around on the line. That's great. That's great. But this, this, this whole ground and pound smash mouth football, we don't have the guys for that. Might not never. I mean, look. we might not ever. Yep. You know, you can you can you can do that kind of stuff if you're Alabama. Yep. You know, but you're I not heard. gonna you're not gonna do that here at Utah. Um, and at least you're not gonna have consistent success doing that. And and what sucks is this year is is should be the eye opening year for Sean Cougar to finally realize that when when coming in you had a lot of promise. You know what I mean? The, the, the team was was 
you know, a lot of people expected more than this from them, especially more, where Aaron yeah. Jones is at in his career. You know, you, you really expected them to be able to compete more than they have. But even more than just competing, Aaron Jones and the run game hasn't even gone the way that, that we had expected and hoped for. So, again, you know, if, if any time were, were a time for a coach to realize that what he's doing is wrong and how I always like to go to that shoving that, that, that square peg in the round circle, you know, it's right now. Like you're, you're one in five and things are not working. And yet we continue to see the same game plan and, and offensive uh, scheme every single week for the last four years. And, and I just, you know, if, if, if starting one in five and getting mopped by, by Army and then followed up by Southern Miss and then followed up by, you know, if, if all these teams getting mopped by all these teams isn't enough proof, then I don't know what is for Sean Cooley. You know, because there's, 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 there's being smart and sticking to your guns, you know, and then there's just being flat out stubborn. And to me, Sean Cooley right now is stubborn. He's the kind of guy that's like, no, nah, I'm going to do it my way, even if his way is not working. Uh, and, and, you know, again, going back to it, the, the, the second half of the season about, is about his job and what's going to happen in the future. And if, if what we've seen from him the last four years is any sign, he's not going to change anything. He's going to continue to try to do things the way that he's doing it. And, and the season's going to end 2-10, and 3-9. And, and, and honestly, he should be out of here. He should be out of here because that's, that's, I mean, it's unacceptable at this point. Fire. By, by his own standards. By his own, you know, what, what he said, he said yeah. what he said, and, and this said, is four years. The writings on the week. This is four years, okay? Yeah. What he said was three years. He said, if I don't have this thing righted in three years, I'm out. I'll walk. You know what? Nobody held him to that after year three. Granted, I mean, he did okay. They showed some signs in the second half of the season. The defense played fairly well. But you come into year four, and then you lay an egg? You know, how long do you get? On your own, for your own standards, how long do you get? Yeah, I think I think he sees the writing on the wall, like exactly what he said after that last FIU game. Like he was like, he he, he self acknowledged it basically. You know, he knows the ramifications, and I, and you know, to me, like I told some people, it ain't about the money with Sean Cooler. I mean, this guy is well known. I mean, we're not dissing the guy saying he can't coach. He's a hell of a position coach. Yeah, he yeah, can definitely. go and he can be a, a special teams coordinator in the NFL and make more money in a three-year period than he could in a two-year period. So giving up $1 million, in my opinion, speaking for him, but just giving our, our shout-outs here, I mean, our, our thoughts here, I mean, you know, that isn't the issue. You know, and I think he's, he's as much as he loves UTEP, as much as he's, you can kind of tell that he's a prideful guy, he's not going to – I don't think Sean's the type of guy that's going to sit here and just get his ass kicked. No, like, no. I really don't think – and that's and, – and, and, you know, it's easy to, for us to come out there and call his, call his job, call for his head, whatever. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? That, I think that's what more of what we're saying. It's like this guy understands the situation. He understands what UTEP football is and how hard it is to build it. And, and you know, now you, you're going back I, – I, I look back at – reading people's uh, messages on message boards. I go back to the 90s where they tried that ground and pound crap with the David Lee era, era even er, even early on in the Gary Nord era. And then when was UTEP successful, had any success when they ran the spread? When has any G5 team, when have you heard of any group of five teams just besides, I mean, maybe say Boise to a point, but they still had a really good passing they've game. Always they've always had Yeah, they've, they've always, always had, had great quarterback. They've always had a dynamic type offense where Brent Peace, where that at, bro? And, and, but, you know what I mean? So it's, it, it, it's kind of it, basically what we're trying to say is 
in the group of five level, you got to be able to spread the ball out. You got to be able to put some speed on the field. An air raid offense, you don't necessarily need two, three star guys. You know, you just need guys that understand route concepts, and you need a quarterback that's competent. And you just haven't. That's another thing too. Outside of Jamil Showers, I mean, in, in, Jamil Showers wasn't spectacular by no means. Had a couple of very good games. The UTSA game comes out to me a couple years ago. But outside of that, I mean, the quarterback position has probably been the worst it's been at UTEP in the. Maybe even before Sean Cooler got here. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, things have really regressed. Uh, you look at the stats on the defensive side of the ball now. You know, it, everything is basically falling down outside of the top 100. When you talk about scoring defense, rushing defense, passing defense, uh, total defense, it, it's it's tough, man. It, obviously, the, the passing game hasn't been there, so I'm sure our passing offense is outside of the top 100. I I'm even sure our look. scoring offense is I mean, you, you look know. across the board at, at everything with this team right now, and it's just it's it's just it's struggling, man. It's a show program that's I mean. struggling, and and you know it's funny because my actually my pops kind of posed the question, and I heard it. I've heard it in other places too. And he was like, "Do you think it's time for UTEP to to just drop down to drop down divisions?" Like we heard this out of. You know, we were talking about New Mexico State a few years back. You know, everybody was talking about should they go to FCS, you know. And now it's kind of sad that that question is even being asked about UTEP. Now, for me, regardless of how bad things are getting, it makes absolutely yeah, zero sense to drop down. But I'm just saying, like, just the fact that, that that question is being asked, you know, saying that we cannot compete at this level. like And that's, that's, and that's crazy because think about it, like, 10 years ago or – yeah, about 10 years ago, when we're packing 40,000 for Houston or packing yeah. 40,000 for Rice, and we're putting up points, and our, our defense giving up points, but Quinn Demp's out there picking – you know what I mean? Where it's like – and that's why I say no, because Mike Price showed a glimpse of the beast that could be UTEP football. And I said it to somebody – I think I – I don't know who I said it to last week, but I was like, the two things that are going to bring El Paso fans back out to the Sun Bowl is going to be high-flying offense and a winner. Yep. Honestly, I, I, and they go hand in hand. And not saying that Mike Price was his offensive juggernaut because it was what maybe a two three year window where the offense was really really good. You know the Higgins days kind of. We, talk, off we, toe, we but, talked about about Mike Price a lot, you know, and that guy is, is man. I I was I was a huge Price supporter as I've said many times. You can go back and listen to the podcast. I never wanted that guy to be fired in the first place. I understood why he needed to go. But what he did here, he elevated the expectations yeah. of the program. People felt what it was like to actually – we cracked the top 25, man. And I know we did that back in the 2000 day when, when we had a Rocky Bet was it Rocky yeah. Bet and, you know, Brian Atkin and those But that guys, team but, overachieved because they, they, yeah, were, they, really, they, they did. really did overachieve. They really did, and that was like Gary Nord's one good year. But, you know, you have Mike Price who elevated this program to a point where – Man, we were scoring points, and we had guys being drafted into the NFL. People were excited people about were excited. People were excited. People rock gear everywhere. Like. It, it's just not there anymore. We've lost that. And, and it's like you said, there's only two ways to bring it back, and it's with a high-flying offense and with wins. And I, I think they go hand-in-hand, hand, and Sean Cougar has brought neither of those things so far. It's ain't the NFL. I mean, it's, you, it's one thing to do it in the NFL where – everybody's sort of equal in a sense. I mean, of course, you have stronger teams, but, you know, the perfect example is like the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, their offense is so basic right now, but that, yeah, go grab that. You know what I'm saying? Ah, I had to throw the jab at them. But, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's definitely getting down to that point where it's it's gonna. I mean, it's already been brought up. If it hasn't been brought up about Sean Cougar, I mean, it's been brought up all over social media. But I'm to sorry, his I, face, missed, I missed that. I had to grab my hat real quick. Like, that's a clean. That's a clean cab. I mean, if they had a Raider emblem, I'd rock it. But but either way, moving on. We should we, talk about the Cowboys though. That's a good topic to talk about right now. Five and one, also on the bye week. We should, just change, we should just change it. Look at the we time. should just change this up. Instead of talking about Utah sports, we should talk about Cowboys. Look at the time. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so week set our game six and our game seven for UTEP, UTSA. Talk a little bit about UTSA for Jared. Calls us up a little bit. Previewed a little bit. I mean, this is a this has been a, a surprising stretch for the UTSA Roadrunners coming out. You know, winning their past two games in in what I think is impressive fashion, coming out and just mobbing. Southern Miss at home, putting up a little 28-7. I mean, they scored. Completely unexpected. Yeah. I, I could see the 14-13 win at right. Yeah. You know, I could I could see that from, from UTSA. The 55-32 mopping at Southern Miss, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, maybe we should have seen it. If we go back four weeks and, and they're at ASU, I don't know if you watched that game. I think That's it was like Thursday night or something they're like that. On that game. Uh, but – ASU was coming off a big win over Texas Tech, Texas Tech at home where like they scored like yeah, they yeah. scored like sixty points or something and and all of a sudden ASU gets held to twenty eight against UTSA and or thirty two and almost loses you know that we should have known I guess we should have known but joining us now is uh, Jared Kalmus coming on from Underdog Dynasty our SB Nation sister site that covers a variety of sports and teams across the uh, G five nation but definitely specializes in uh, in UTSA sports. Jared, what's going on with you tonight, man? Hey, guys, what's going on? Thanks for having me on. It's always a highlight of the season to, for the UTEP week. I know we're going to get a great radio show in, so I'm excited for it. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah, man. So <laughs> UTSA is sitting at one and three. Let's go back a couple weeks. UTSA is sitting back one and three. You show, you're showing signs on defense, showing little signs in the rush game, and all of a sudden, after a bye week, Frank Wilson does something, infuses something into this team come out, bam, smash Southern Miss, come out and play rock solid defensively and, and let Rice beat themselves instead of imploding yourselves. I mean, what what is it coming out of that bye week? What do you think Frank Wilson has done to just energize everything and just make make this UTSA team look like a contender not only for a bowl but in a wide open CUSA West? Yeah, you know, you guys were talking about this earlier in the podcast with what uh, Cooler's trying to get on um, at UTEP during their bye week. But I think it was the competition um, during that bye week at UTSA that really changed things around. Um, we saw in the Old Dominion game, they, they switched up the offensive line after an injury. Austin Pratt moved from left guard to center, and then they uh, brought Kyle McKinney in at left guard, who had played a whole bunch um, in the previous season. And that offensive line looked really great. They went to the bye week after that game, and they went with that offensive line. You know, they had some position battles. And since that offensive line has been starting at UTSA, it's been night and day difference. I mean, the pass protection is phenomenally better. Uh, you know, the run game we saw against Southern Miss where there were huge holes. I think there was a 90-yard run and, like, an 85-yard run or something like that. Um, so the holes are, are getting created now. We've seen changes on the other side of the ball as well. Um, some of the freshmen, you can tell, have gotten really coached up. And I think the bye week really showed us what the, this new UTSA staff is capable of. You know, they had some time out to work on the fundamentals with the young guys, and we saw the huge improvement. But it happened really fast. <laughs> UTSA is a, a much different team than they were three weeks ago. Talk about the play of Dalton Stern coming out 
uh, completing mm-hmm. almost 65% of his passes. You know, the yards don't jump off the board as you as someone said. He don't make mistakes. But he doesn't make mistakes. You know, 10 touchdowns, yep. only three yep. interceptions. Been been on point pretty much all season long. Talk about that play and what he's meant to this team. Yeah, you know, the three, the, there's two things with Dalton that are pretty crazy. First of all, no one expected him to start the season. Yeah. I mean, I think there was maybe, maybe me and a couple of other people that were kind of holding out hope um, that he was going to hold on to the job, but it was pretty much uh, considered a done deal. They graduate transfer Jared Johnson. He was South End Conference player of the year at Sam Houston. Uh, for, it seemed pretty obvious the guy was going to get the job. You know, they, they brought him in for a reason. Dalton beat him out, and he hasn't done anything to lose that job. You know, you can tell that the staff really wanted to give Johnson all the chances in the world to take the spot. Uh, they kept putting him in, kept putting him in. And, I mean, every time Dalton was challenged, he just rose up and became a better player. And the other thing that's crazy about Dalton's performance is this not, it's not even the type of offense that he's built for. You know, he's more of a spread offense type of guy. Um, he's got a decent arm, and we've seen him make some really long passes this year. But, um, you know, he's not a typical pro-style quarterback. You know, he's a dual-thread guy that he's good on the inter- intermediate routes. Um, but he's adjusted quite well. and You know, he's done the, the play action perfectly. And, He's played within himself. Um, yeah, he's only has three interceptions this year, and you know he got he got lucky on a couple uh, should be interceptions that were dropped. But still, I mean, you're looking at four or five interceptions, even if the defender would have came down with the ball. And I mean, that's that's a great number, and you know it's good efficiency for UTSA and keep them in, in ball games. Jalen Rhodes is a guy that for the past couple of years I look at I've seen this guy and I'm like, damn, he gets one block, he gets one one crease, he's gonna cut and go. And you saw glimpses at the past couple of years. Now him and Jarvion Williams, to me, are almost like clones back there. How much has his emergence been because of the offensive line? And, I mean, has that been kind of that X factor that teams obviously are going to prepare for? But if he's hitting home runs and so is Jarvion, I mean, UTSA can pretty much do whatever they want mixed in with the play action? Right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, Jarvion's been struggling with the ankle injury throughout the season. I think the first game he injured it there, and it's just been kind of nagging him. You know, he's he still played well in spurts, but he hasn't shown the consistent power that he showed the past two seasons. So Jalen's um, Jalen's rise to to be starting running back, not, you know, on paper, but a number of steps played, it's been huge for UTSA. Um, I think he's generating about a yard and a, yard and a half or two yards more per carry. Um, and he's just a better fit for this offense, too. You know, moving to this um, pro-style offense, the running back have to make more reads. You know, in UTSA's previous spread system, essentially the running back is assigned uh, a gap, and they're going to run to it, you know, whether they're mm-hmm. running the read option or, you know, a zone play or whatever. But in this pro-style, you have to make more cutbacks, and you have to have a better vision. And I think that's where Jalen really exceeds. I mean, people forget that Jarvion didn't play running back in high school. So when he got to UTSA, he improved throughout the year. But Jalen has been playing this position his whole life. And, I mean, this was a guy, um, you know, whenever uh, – he, he was committed to Texas Tech. And um, whenever Tommy Tuberville left to Cincinnati, they pulled his offer. Ended up at UTSA. Oh, or his ACL twice. And, I mean, he's still the same player that was Big 12 worthy back in the day. And UTSA just stuck it out with him. And it's worked out. Talking about Dalton Sturm a second ago, you know, I mentioned that the passing yards have not necessarily been there, but he hasn't had a lack of of help from uh, his receivers and his receiving core, people mm-hmm. out of the backfield as well. Total of eight people that have eight receptions or more. No one has more than 13. But just talk about how, you know, there's such a, a, a number of people that are able to contribute in this offense and how well they are doing, how much that has helped this offense uh, progress. 
Yeah, I think most UTSA fans really expected Jabrice Taylor to carry the torch of the wide receiver position this season. Um, he hasn't done that so far. You know, he's had some some key drops, and I think he's only averaging like maybe a catch or two or a game. So it's been huge that UTSA's wide receivers have been been able to step up across the board. Uh, we've seen Josh Stewart come out of nowhere. He's leading the entire NCAA in yards per catch, I think at 29 yards per catch. Uh, just an absolute deep threat. And, you know, this was a guy that was playing at a Division II school before his uh, older brother, Kerry Thomas, came to UTSA. So it was completely unexpected. Uh, and for him to play that level, it's just hard to hard to really understand. But here we are. And, you know, we've got great production of the uh, wide receivers as well. Marquez McNair, he was a late flip from Southern Miss to UTSA. Um, he's played really well, albeit inconsistently. And uh, Brady Jones, who is actually the um, brother-in-law of <laughs> UTSA legend Eric Souza which I've learned recently. He's played extremely well at flat receiver as well. Just a really defendable option. So um, a lot of options for Dalton Sturm, and, you know, not a lot of receivers are on the field at one time since UTSA is running this pro-style offense. But the guys are making the most out of the snaps, and it's great to see the competition there. Looking at the defense side of the ball, uh, you know, two guys that always jump out to me. I'm looking at UTSA's defense: Michael Igawagu and Nate Gaines. Nate Gaines last year played mm-hmm. backyard ball with Ryan. Nicks. I mean, I was just right. I was crying up in that press box on that pitch <laughs> on the pig. But they're eating, of course, this year, combining for 17 percent of the tackles. Doing the article that I did on Frank Wilson uh, yesterday, looking at what he's talking about, so many young players that they've infused and kind of they like their intangibles, talks about their length. We know all about Josiah Tofea. Uh, That's a guy that UTEP recruited as a defensive lineman. Sean Cougar spoke highly of him. Who are these young guys that are really stepping up and catching Frank Wilson's eye? Not only that, but playing within the scheme and, and turning what we always know as UTSA having the sound defense since you guys came into the conference. Who is making that happen once again in this first year of new head coaches and, and new schemes and new faces on that defensive side of the ball? Mm. Well, there's a lot of them, actually. Uh, for how well UTSA's defense has played, it's kind of hard to believe that they're such a young unit. You know, they've got some junior and some senior leaders on there. Uh, but you look at a guy like Tedrick McGee. Uh, he's a cornerback from Memphis, late commitment. I mean, he's playing tr- as a true freshman, a cornerback, and he's just playing press coverage on every play. Real big guy, six foot one, six two or so. Um, and he's just going to get better as he gets stronger. But, you know, he's going toe-to-toe with some of the best receivers in the conference. And uh, he was manned up with a five-star receiver in the Arizona State game, and I think he only gave up, like, two catches, and both of which were either a one-hand catch or just, you know, a back-corner fade. Um, so, I mean, that guy's just doing a terrific job. It's it's great to see them recruit talent like that and then coach them up so they're ready to play at an early age. Um, well, in defensive line, there's quite a few freshmen there as well. Uh, Eric Banks is another true freshman, also from Memphis. That guy is going to be a force uh, to be reckoned with as he gets older. He played quarterback in high school, but he's six foot five, two thirty, or something like that. So once he learns the position, he's going to be really good. And we've seen the progression. He's playing more snaps every game. Um, King Newton's a guy that's getting really good snaps at defensive tackle, as well, well as Balin Baker, who's actually the starter. Um, those guys have kind of started to phase out. A senior named Montreal King Williams. So it's fun to watch that position improve. Um, and then you've got guys like TJ King, um, and I'm blanking out on the last defensive end, but, I mean, the majority of the players that are getting snaps on the defensive line are freshmen, and they've played really, really well. It's great stuff. You also got Marcus Davenport that did it. I don't know sure if you measured him, but that kid's, mm-hmm. that kid's impressive too on, on film and obviously in the stat sheet. But I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on Conference USA. 
thinking of the West Division, it's kind of it'd be a stupid podcast question and lazily on my point to be like, well, how do you see it playing out? It was four teams tied for first place. When do you mm-hmm. see this kind of forming? Is it gonna? Is this something that's gonna be that's gonna go down to the last week of the season, or do you looking at schedules as you have, you know, or knowing team schedules coming? When do you think somebody's gonna take charge of Conference USA West, or is it gonna come down to the last week? Man, I think it's going to come down to the last weekend, honestly. I mean, you've got four teams that are within striking distance, and all of them are playing solid football right now. So I really think, you know, we might be in a tiebreaker situation where it's going to go to a head-to-head record on the last weekend. It's going to be fun to follow. And you know, I don't think uh, Conference USA West has had a season like that in years. Uh, I don't even think since UTSA has joined the division. So it, it's good to show this division could be just as competitive as the East as well. Jared, as we always do, um, got to ask, what is your prediction for this weekend? Uh, game mm-hmm. time is 5 p.m. Mountain, if I'm not mistaken. <sighs> that should be right. I'm in so- uh, yeah, I'm so- no. stop, our, stop our hearts, bro. Do <laughs> it. Do it, man. I'm, I'm just one. I'm, I got to ask, bro. I was getting so depressed listening to the to the podcast before I caught on. You're talking about firing, firing Kugler and moving down to uh, FCS and all that. I, had me, yeah, I'd have me reconsidering my prediction. But, no, I think UTSA, uh, UTEP is going to come out and play a great game. Um, I think Kugler is going to have the guys mentally prepared. I think he's going to shake off um, the losing record. And I think Metz is going to really come back. You know, I'm sure you guys remember he played a very terrible game against UTSA last year and a rain-soaked home game uh, through four picks for the pick six. So I think he's going to come back and, um, you know, put some respect on his name, so, so to speak. Uh, so I, I see him passing for, you know, a nice 200 yards or so. And I, I just I think UTEP's going to be recharged coming off the bye week. Uh, with that being said, I still think UTSA will pull it out. I have them winning, I think, 24 to 17 is what I predicted earlier this week, and I think that sounds about right. You know, I think it's going to be relatively low scoring, a lot of defense, and, um, you know, there's a lot of run from Aaron Jones, and it's just going to be a typical UTEP UTSA game. It's going to be very competitive. Uh, but I think the home team is finally going to take it this year for the first time in four years. And you think it might be close too. That's that, that's the most interesting. That's what we we're talking about earlier. But yeah, uh, let the, mm-hmm. let the people know where they can find you, Jared. Uh, find your work, your game previews coming up later mm-hmm. this week as well. Yeah, so you can find uh, my work on UnderdogDynasty.com. We'll have the game preview there on Friday. And if you're trying to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Jared UTSA. I've got a great relationship with the UTEP fan base, so I'm always looking to add more uh, <laughs> more minor fans to the follow list. Great follow, too. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. There you have it, Jared. Appreciate you, man. Enjoy the game this weekend. Enjoy the tailgate, and uh, we'll talk, we'll highlight you, we'll you soon, man. Thanks, fellas. We'll do. Y'all have a good one. Jared Kalmus from UnderdogDynasty.com, our fellow SB Nation sister side. Look, the one thing that scared me when you said that they play press coverage on that outside, just from an exit no standpoint, that's scary, man. But that that's the type of matchup that they're going to dare UTEP to beat them with the passing oh, game. Exactly. You know they I mean? got Lane, too. I've watched three or four of their games. I know um, what you're talking about, too. Off topic real quick. Have you seen Ulias' move to first, bro? Nah. It's a buck and a half, bro. bro. It's a buck and a half. You'll see it right now. I mean, they say that his leg doesn't cross the pl- the, the rubber, but to me it crosses. But anyway, that's off topic. Going back to what Jared said, um, I thought it was real interesting that he thinks it's going to be such a close game. You look at UTSA, they're not exactly a team that has put up a whole lot of points outside of that U- U- uh, Southern Miss game. Um, but 
they put up 55 at home against Southern Miss. If they can put up 55 points against Southern Easily, Miss, yes. they can put up 60. Ugh, look, I still have faith in this offense, I mean, this defense that we won't give up 60 points in a conference game. But still, I mean, they, I could see them putting up 30 to 40 points, you know. Um, and again, you know, it, it, it hasn't, we haven't really seen those slugging out games so much. Last year was kind of muddied and whatnot, like he talked about in the rain. He had the, the four picks and all that from Ryan Metz, but <clears throat> typically you see the team once you take control and just kind of run away with it. And that's, I, I hate to say, it, but that's what I expect this week. Like, I, I really do. I mean, I've seen our offense struggle. I've seen because of our offensive struggles, our defensive struggles. And I just think, you know, this is a team in UTSA that is riding high right now. They're coming in off a pair of big wins. They're sitting at 2-1 and one in conference. They need this more than UTEP does, yeah. in, a, in a sense. UTEP needs it because they need to figure out something with this season. They need to get something going right. But UTSA needs it because they're in the running for this thing in Conference USA. Yeah. You know, so they're at home. It's a game that they feel that they're they can homecoming. take care of business. It's their homecoming. Um, I, I really feel like they're going to come out ready to play and and – I'd be surprised if we kept it in the single digits. I really would. Ooh. I think it's going to be a two a two touchdown win for them. Yeah. I, oh, I really okay. do. I mean, you know, and it I thought, could be I more. Thought, yeah, it I could be more. I mean, I'm not. I don't think we're going to get beat by thirty. You know, but I could see a 38-17 game or yeah. something. Or a, you know, like I could see that happening because of what we've seen so far with this team. Hopefully, like he mentioned, Ryan Metz is back and that helps. You know, and yes, Sean Kugler has his team energized and ready to play. But I haven't seen that yet to be able to say going to make it a game you know we'll see what happens I, I, I kind of I kind of agree with Jared Parsley but I'm still on your fence where and I even said it in the Q&A that I did with them I just feel UTEP's ability I think we've seen some type of growth in that front three and I think as Jared mentioned UTSA has been improving their pass rush, but I still think UTEP's 3-4 can give them some problems now can if that if Donald Sturm is running all over us oh god it's going to be it's going to get ugly but if they can contain him and, and just not, not allow those big runs from the two running backs. I think this is a game that they can stay in until the third quarter, but I still feel offensively there's going to be that big mistake or, or that low or those two or three. Well, we've seen in the second half, every time they come out of the second half, three or four times this year, it's two or three back-to-back three and outs. And, and there you go. And like we said, if they're not able to contain Dalton Stern, this kid's going to break it. He proved it last year. He's proved it against – Teams this year, this kid can run the football. I'm really impressed with, with his ability to run the football. And we yeah. haven't been able to contain a quarterback. Yeah, looking back, you know, starting in week one against uh, with Tyler, was with yeah, Tyler Rogers, Rogers, right? You know, that was a kid that could, could break the pocket, and, and he was picking up first downs like yep. like nothing. And Sturm is way more athletic yeah. and quicker yeah. than him, and that's that's going to be my key. But, yeah, I, I re- the reason why I think is because I, I really feel Aaron Jones is going to bust a couple of runs and keep – Keep UTEP in this game. I think that is why I think it's going to be a 14-14 game in the third quarter, and then you, they're going to get too relying on Aaron Jones. UTSA is going to stack the box. There's that mistake. UTSA goes and scores. 24-14 game turns into a 28-14 game, a 27-14 game. That's how I see it going. But I think I think I, I really feel the adjustments that they made with the competitiveness, with just bringing that fire back and playing football. You know what I mean? Just playing football during that bye week and, and to start this week and getting back to that competitive juices, maybe that is good for a good, a solid start in the first half. All right. All, all, that, said, team, but all that said, give me your prediction. 28-14 UTSA. Yeah. I, I think I was like 24 or something or 13, but I think Jones breaks too, but Dalton Stern's going to have a big game against us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do 34-17. 34-17 is my, my pick. 
And that's UTEP, of course, when he... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's UTSA. Yeah, I just think, you know, you look at the numbers on defense. UTSA is a team that ranks in the top 50 in defense, and I think in rushing defense, if I'm not mistaken. So they're they a team that's it. done well. And they got against depth, the run. a little bit of depth. They too. do have depth. Um, what's funny is coming into this season, we were talking about UTSA like it was a rebuilding year and it was yeah, going to be yeah. tough for them. and Especially on defense. Especially on defense. And, and they had lost so many seniors. And, yeah, well, that's not the case. They're doing well. They're three and three, but they're two and one in conference, and they're coming into a game against UTEP that should be winnable. A couple of minutes away, they could be you know, four and two. They, they really could. That 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 ASU game was one that they could have won. And you know, you look at Old Dominion, CSU, Colorado State. They were in both those games. So Colorado State. This is a team that, that is playing pretty well right now. They're at home. They need to win. I mean, 34-17 is where I'm going to put it, and I think that's just because of that defense. I yeah. think they have a defense that maybe Aaron Jones gets one. Um, I just don't see the, the UTEP offense being able to put – you know, you look back even at, like, the La Tech game, you know, where UTEP had some success. We were only able to put up seven points through three quarters, and we finally got us – you know, I, I just can't see us – you know, I can't see us putting up 30 points or 28 points. I just can't. So, I, I just don't think that we have the ability to win this game. The only way I think we – I mean, the only way I've seen UTEP score this year is Aaron Jones run. Exactly. That's, so that, that's, that's, that's all I'm. I, was, I think he's good for at least two in this game because well, I think he's healthy. That's gonna be it. But let's man, let's, we got some UTEP basketball this weekend that I'm kind of. I actually postponed this. I was gonna go to San Antonio, but for some reason I wanted to watch the scrimmage more. I don't know why, but we're gonna talk about it. Orange and white scrimmage. Still haven't seen a roster, but we do know. Well, hold up. Before we go into that, before we go into the scrimmage, Tim Floyd. Has been recruiting a lot. I know, I know. And uh, we the shit that I've talked about Tim we, Floyd. Gotta, you know, for all the shit I've talked about Tim Floyd, look, and I still feel the same, but I texted you today. I said, look, for, for every, I'll even read you all the text just to, just to, you know, put it out there because I, I do give credit where credit's due, okay? I told, I told Alex, I said, I'll give Tim Floyd this one thing. The dude continues to get good talent to come play for him even if he underproduces. And it's the truth. You know, you look at these guys. This is a guy that, that, he, that committed today. Um, you know, he was a guy that was committed to Ole Miss, Ole Miss a power five school or whatever it is. Power, is it five, six, power five, power, seven, whatever, who cares? The overlords. A, a quote unquote, the overlords. <laughs> he was committed to the overlords and, and, you know, Tim Floyd got him, you know, and, and this is a guy that, that if he left his recruiting open a little longer, it would probably continue to pick up a few offers. Average a double, double. Yeah. Was it 16 and 10, 16 and 10, 16 and 11 if you're around that. If you're in the um, round, this guy, you know, Tim Floyd, he continues continues to pick up talent. Um, the one thing that's interesting, though, is that you look at the roster and how many people are supposed to graduate. There's only what I've been two, told. Right? What I've been told, there's only two uh, scholarships available for next. So year. you've already got four people. Five. You got five. Cool guy. I, I, the, my favorite guy, Roger Williams. I mean, and this kid too. This Tyler Smith kid is very talented. A lot of places you're gonna look. A lot of places you look in Tyler Smith. They have him at six six one seventy, six six one ninety. He he tweeted at us that he's a legit two thirty, and you know he's a lengthy long cat. And that Roger Williams is it has that girth to him. You know, he, so I I really it's kind of interesting. It's just real interesting because somebody's gonna be a prop forty eight. Now, not only do you have five commits, but you also have um, Trey Wade, who's on campus, Prop 48ing. I've heard a lot of good things about that kid, too. And so now you've got six guys pretty much committed for next year's roster that we know of. Somebody is going to have to take a red shirt or a gray shirt. In my opinion, 
I look at Ladarius Brewer as being kind of a candidate. He's the, he's that uh, the, the guard uh, the guard commit. I think you're gonna see him. Or he's he's kind of like a combo guard too. He can Isn't play it forward crazy too. But to it's just that crazy that these guys have to know this. Like these guys have to know the numbers when they commit. You know what I'm saying? Two, like because you got two point guards committing. You got basically three swingmen with Roger Williams and and, and Smith and, and Ladarius Brewer. Plus you got another two guard. Like you're right, dude. Like you, you, you <laughs> have to know the numbers when you're committing, right? Like you have to know this team only has two people graduating. You know, you already have four people committed, so right, right there, the numbers don't jive. And now you're committing, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, great, but it just goes back to the way Tim Floyd's run his program since day one, with people coming and going, like, like whatever. He's preparing for something, right? He obviously knows right now, in my opinion, more than the whole Prop 48 thing. Maybe my Cowboys hat on. I think <laughs> I think better when I've got my my star on my head. Um, you know, besides the whole Prop 48 thing. Like, he's got to know that there's probably going to be some defections. Or, I mean, how many offers does he still have out there? A, a fuckload. <laughs> Seriously. Like, it's, it's crazy, man. Let's look. Purple commit 2017 so, I, high school. You know, you got to give Tim Floyd credit. I don't know what he's doing to get these guys to commit like this, but you've got some serious talent that continues to commit. Um, I don't. I, we haven't seen it just yet translate to on-court success, and hopefully this will be the year. But I don't think it will be. But you know, I just. No, the uh, most interesting thing, though, coming up is who signs in November. I mean, it's one thing course, to be committed. It's one thing to commit, yeah. and, so, and we all know that. I mean, we all know. I mean, even when you sign, you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go there. So, so low blow to everybody. That, <laughs> low blow to everybody once again. You know how to take it in the shorts. Is that what Floyd said? <laughs> but and like that's gonna be real interesting to see this early signing period of who, because that's I mean that's when you know who's locked in either grade wise and of course being here at UTEP. It's, I mean you see it nowadays where these kids want to be committed. They want to get the love on Twitter from from the from the people. You know what I mean? All that love that comes with it, the articles, the interviews. I mean, it, it, it's addictive. So you see these kids flip-flop. You don't know where their mind is when they're flip-flopping. But we'll know who signs. I, I Honestly, I think Kobe McGee signs, the kid from San Antonio. He's been committed for a long time, came on his visit. I, I, maybe Evan Gilliard, the point guard, commits. And, and, and po- probably the guy I see not signing right away is Roger Williams, just off the top of the dome. No, no – just guessing, throwing names out there, giving you a sports talk radio show. That's the only guy I can think that can maybe hold off into the spring because this is a, a JUCO guy that's very athletic. He's playing in California, in the California JUCO League. He's going to get looked at. That could be a guy that you might have watch out for in terms of a flip from just a bigger offer, nothing that maybe Tim Floyd isn't or it doesn't or doesn't do. But it's just going to be really interesting to see who signs and if anybody signs in this early period. And also, too, the big question that I'm going to find out tomorrow, I'm getting to the bottom of this, is this because they know something's up with Isaiah Osborne and they're preparing for something? You know what I mean? Who, there's just so many questions. I've been, I've been skeptical on that move since day one. You know that much. Yeah. I, I haven't thought that he's going to be available. Um, I mean, of course, we're talking 2017 here, so he should be available regardless by then. Yeah. But then again, you don't know what, what Isaiah Osborne's path takes if, if he can't play. Yeah. You know, if they if they start to make a mess of this and – they start. We saw what happened with McSwiggin. Exactly. You know, that's exactly what I'm. You started exactly to see how I they wanted that. to declare him ineligible, and, and so you, you don't know how things are going to play out. But again, um, you would assume that Osborne would be available for 2017, if not this year. That's something to talk about, though, man. Let's move on. Let's talk about that. 
that scrimmage coming up this weekend. Is Osborne playing in that? Do yeah, you know? I, th- I think he can. He's in the dunk contest. But I, I got a good question. I've got a good question from Twitter from Lutet Miner, and I think this is a very legit question to look at this scrimmage with. You got a lot of bodies. You got a lot of bodies. Oh, oh, we didn't even mean. Did you hear about Matt Williams back in the booth? Well, the ain't. Damn, I just pissed him off. Damn. <laughs> I didn't hear that, man. Yeah, supposedly I heard some people told me, some media sources told me that it was a sprain. So we ain't going to see Matt Williams on the floor on Saturday. So I'll crack so it's about that is, is, yeah, I mean, is it a sprain or is it like a legitimate, that, re, you know, you know, re, what do you call it? This, you know, flaming up or yeah. whatever and re-aggravation of this injury that he's, that he's carried. Because we talked about that, man. With big men, you just don't know. It's no. so hard. It's so hard. You look at uh, Greg Oden, man. Greg Oden, college beast, you know, unstoppable. Comes into NBA and it can't stay healthy, man. Injury after injury after injury. And it just it just happens with these big guys. And so, yeah, that scares me a lot, man. Because, yeah, I would expect Tim Floyd – to put out there that it's a sprained ankle or something. But he hasn't. Regardless. But he hasn't. I'm just saying, though, yeah, like, regardless, yeah. like, even if he, even if any coach leaked it to any media source or whatever, you know, I would think that they'd be saying, say it's a sprain, say it's a sprain. Say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're not going to come out and say, oh, he, he has another stress fracture or there's a slight break. It's not good. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, like, I'm, I agree. That, that I'm just asking Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. How many times you sprained your ankle and got yourself a boot? Three, four times. It must have been some bad sprains. Yeah. For him, that's even worse. No. You know? Especially if it's in the same foot. <sighs> but anyway, going back to what Lutep asked, with with all these bodies, I mean, how would you divide this? Would you go Omega, Dominic on one team? Would you split them up? What do you, why, if you're Tim Floyd, would you be trying to build chemistry or just let these guys compete and put on a show and basically see who can ball? Put, put, Deion Barrett against an Omega Harris. Put Deion Barrett against uh, artists. Put Trey Touchet against artists. Or put, you know, how, how would you mix it up? Would you would you try chemistry wise, or would you just let him go at it? You could argue it both ways. You know, you could argue that the team could be improved both ways because, in one sense, yes. Like if you put Dominic and and, and Omega on the same side, then they they get that chemistry. They get to play together. But at the same time, you're going up against "Quote unquote lesser opponents." Yeah. You know, you're talking about freshman guys that have one versus really, two. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and not that these guys aren't going to be good, and not that they don't have talent, but it's 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 different, you know. So they could get a, a completely different uh, level of experience by playing against each other, you know, and having real competition against each other rather than just going up against Dominic Artis against this freshman that's coming in or this red shirt or whatever it is, you know. So I think you could argue it both ways. Um, I think it depends on what they're going for, man. Like, if you ask me what you should do, I think you should probably get them both together so they, they get that experience of playing together. Um, if you ask me what they're going to do, I'd probably say they're going to split them up because they want more of a show for the fans. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what this has become. This, this And, and that's, that's what it is across college basketball. When you talk about these opening scrimmages, you know, it's all about a show. It's all about getting fans out there and letting them you see the team. Stuff. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So. You don't want to see them put the ones versus the twos, and one team wins by thirty points. You know, you and want to see com- they've been competitive games. Yeah, so if you ask me what I think they're going to do, I think they're going to go ahead and split them up pretty evenly. So what are you looking for in this? I mean, what are you looking for? for are you looking? 
I mean, because it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like it's kind of like we look like we talk about with football when you're going minor on minor, and especially these controlled, glorified pickup games, if you will. Even though there's going to be referees and clocks. I mean, are you looking for somebody we haven't seen before, kind of do something we haven't seen before, or or would you rather see more consistency from artists when Harris? These guys, Honestly, I, mean, I don't expect anything out of these games, man. Nah, nothing. It's a show. Like I said, it's a show. It's a show for the fans. Um, you come into the exhibition games that we're going to be playing. I don't even know who we're playing this year. Northwest, Southwest, Eastern, Oklahoma. Or something South, like South, Southwest. <laughs> you know, that's when you start to say, okay, what do you want to see? But in these games, I, I don't expect anything. I really don't. Like, you know, you're going to have a lot of guys. And, and the problem is you have guys that that want to play into that show. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the, the players, they want. About the players, they want to show off that. for the fans. They want to have – you look at the NBA All-Star game. You know what I'm saying? And everybody's out there just, like, almost letting people score. Like in the NBA, they do. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they're trying to show off a little bit. They're, they're trying to show what they, the quote, unquote, can do. Um, I just – yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't expect too much out of this game. I'd like to see some of these some of these young kids not be afraid of the bright lights and come out and knock down some shots, you know, knock down some open sh- open threes, start to get a feel for who's got that shot. Make a layup. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just make a layup. Yeah, that too. No, but, you know, start to see who maybe might be a, a dark horse contender to be the X factor off the bench, you know, to yeah. you know, a guy that you wouldn't that's expect, what that's what but, but could for. come in and knock down a three off the bench or something, you know. Just, just things like that, little things, like – what you've seen out of Omega, what you've seen out of Dominic, like you're not gonna see more from those guys yeah. in this type of game. You know what I mean? Like we'll, you're not we'll talk. We'll talk in January about those guys. Yeah. We'll, we'll, that's like the ultimate. We I agree. I want to see guys like a Tim Cameron come off the bench and take somebody baseline and finish a late. Like I want to see those guys that that I just want to see something that we didn't have last year. Guys that can finish around the rim. Guys that can make shots consistently. And somebody I want to see a little bit of defense too. If if it's I mean if this is a Tim Floyd coach team. You know that he's tries to get away from the showboat of the game, but can't control the players all the way. But I do want to see some decent man-to-man battles, at least. I want to see better footwork. I want to see shots contested. And, and hey, it's plus if the guy on the guy on the other side makes it too, but you're right. You just, you're not going to see the full onslaught of this team, but I want to see how this athleticism could possibly mold it. Because there's, there's, there's some athleticism out there. There definitely is some athleticism. So to see it on – Floor right in front of me, definitely excited about it. As Anthony Flatton is, I knew it. Say, you see it on the floor right in front of you, but what about this hat right in front of you? What do you think about that? Dallas Cowboy all my Cowboy fans out there, all my all my my brothers in Cowboy Nation, Dallas Cowboy fans everywhere have 15 inch cocks right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. That's one way of putting it. Oh man, yeah, I mean, there's always so much to be said about this scrimmage, man. It's a show, but you know, you hope that these guys can come out and 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 put on that show and the younger kids can cannot be afraid of these bright lights and be able to come out and knock down some shots and be at home in, in a 12,000 seat arena. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of these kids, they play in high school and they come from smaller towns, man. They don't play in front of 12,000 people. They don't play in Utah struggle. We're still going to put eight, 9,000 people in that, in that stadium. So you don't see people play. You don't see these guys play in front of those types of crowds. So, you know, they, they get an opportunity to come out. There may not be 8,000 this game, obviously maybe, 1,500, 2,000, but still, like, to see them in this, on this floor, you know, be able to come out and knock down some threes, knock down some shots, and, and just kind of get accustomed to how things work, that's that's all you can ask for. Uh, moving forward, though, 
it's just nice to see uh, a basketball hitting that wood floor, man, because it's been a rough time on the on the gridiron, man. It's been rough, to say the least. And I mean, it, I don't know. This week, this weekend is usually a weekend, you know, football. Like, it's never really been excited about it, but there's just a weird feeling about this basketball team. Like you don't know what to expect. You don't even know what to expect on Saturday. I mean, this is a, a awkward time, but the I mean, good thing is, you know. I feel like as UTEP fans, every year is the year. <laughs> like, I'm, honestly, like, every year is the year. Like, I, I feel like for the, for the last five, six, seven, eight years in basketball, I could have said, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year, whatever, whatever. This is the year, this is the year. Same thing with football. You know, we come in with Kugler. This is, we're going to, Aaron Jones is, is, is back, and this, this is it. We're going to, you know, hey, and it never happens. Wins. It never happens. Um, and this year in basketball is different because it's not the year for us. Like, we're really thinking, like, oh, man, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know where this team's going to be at. It's a rebuilding year. But maybe they come out and surprise. Maybe they come out and surprise. And so that's why it's, it's kind of nice. In a way, it's kind of refreshing to just have a year where you don't expect anything from this team, and maybe you get surprised. Maybe. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but maybe. That's how it happened to UAB a couple of years ago. That's right. NCAA tournament? That's right. But anyways, so Saturdays. Let's talk about this just real quick. Just real quick. You got a football coach who made, who made a three-year plan to turn things around. He's now in year four. And, and that year three, it's actually, this is the third year. He said it after signing day of 2014. Yeah? Yeah. I thought that was year yeah. one. No, that, that, no, that was year that was that was okay, after so they this got year three. Yeah. Regardless, you know where we're at with that. And then you got a basketball coach who's underperformed after underperformed after underperformed every single year. So what what do you make of all this? I'm gonna counter with you have an athletic director that's seventy one years old, two does not have a contract signed to after this year. Three, I've told this to a couple people. I'm I'm, after, I'm I'm chilling after the game, waiting for the presser, and I see Bob Stoll just kind of chilling, like chilling yeah. after they got beat by FIU, like not really looking, you know, stressed. I see other people looking stressed and pissed. I think the bigger question is, and it, to your question is, is Bob Stoll coming back? Because I think he's ready to ride off in this. I think what the, the, we've talked about it a couple of times on here where they're trying to fundraise for that South End Zone project. I think that's his parting shot. I really think that could be his parting shot where whether they, whether it takes until August, next August to do it, the man isn't under a contract. And, he and you know, talking with Steve Kapowitz, what up, Cappy? He talked about every – that he's in the past, he's done two-year deals, just two-year deals. Well, this year, he hasn't re-upped a deal. And like I said, he's 71. Yeah, I mean, he's still in good shape, but, I mean, he's been in the business for a while. As a coach, I just feel in my mind that he's ready to ride, and that's cool. That's cool. But that's, to me, that's the bigger question is where is the the direction of, of the guy making those calls going to be at? Because I think Cougar walks on his own if, 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 if this shit show doesn't turn around. And I think Floyd stays as long as he wants. But, but whoever comes in. And where do you is, go with it? Like, what, what, if, if, let's just say he walks. Where do you go with it? Who do you, who do you go after? Like, what type of person do you, you go after? I think you got to go after the, the, the <laughs> that's not that's that's not fair, yet. but not, not yet. yet. Not but yet. I think you got to go with the obvious. You look at New, what New Mexico State's done, and with a young athletic director, somebody that has that fire that's yep. gonna that's that's gonna take risks. That that's Let gonna take you, calculated risks. Could Sean Kugler be an AD? 
That's a good question. I, I think he could he because he's just very destructive. And he's a structure. I mean, you see how I mean, you see how he, he dissects everything. And like I said, he's a real guy. There's coach speak, and then there's Cougar just being a real motherfucker. And I respect yeah. the hell out of that as somebody that's trying to do a job in the media and, tell, and describe your team to people. And the way he's structured, I mean, that's a cheap bet if, if Dr. Ann wants to really go cheap and be like, you know what? Well, that's his promoter. Or, or, hold up, hold up. I'm going to make you shit no, yourself. No, don't do it. I'm going to make you shit yourself. do it, bro. What about Michael Price? Oh, I thought about that. I thought you were going to say Tim Floyd for something. Nah, hell I'm nah. like, don't even think about that. No. Mike Price before man, and I mean I don't I don't even. Last I heard, Mike Price was still in town. Yeah, he comes. He's probably chilling. He probably he probably has a crib here. He's probably traveling. I think what you lack though with Mike Price is that structure. Yeah, because Mike Price was a very laid back guy. Like, and that, I think that's what helped his teams be successful because he wasn't as disciplined with them. Yeah. And when you get to this level, like it's it's a fine line. Look, when when you've got the the top athletes in the country, you're able to be disciplined with these guys you're able to be like this is how it's gonna be because there's another guy behind you that's gonna take your job you know what i'm saying but when you're at utep it's a lot harder to be like that because who who, you're gonna are you gonna bench me coach like you know what i'm saying and so when when mike price came in he let these guys just go out there and have fun and play and he wasn't worried about i mean you're talking about a guy that got caught at a strip club bro like running up a tab on the on the on the university card at a strip club, you know, like how disciplined <laughs> can you can you expect these people to be? Real, though, but but it helped real. the team. Like these guys were able to go out there and just have fun and play the game, and and I think that works at a at a place like this. But when it comes to being an athletic director, you need that 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 backbone. The hammer. You need that yeah. You need to be that hammer because there's got to be somebody like. Who, who, what coach is going to be scared to answer to Mike Price? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to have some kind of fear in your coaches that your job is on and the Bob line at have some point. Not, he's too cool. He's yeah. too kind. And that's not, that's not attacking him, but that's just how he is. That's, yeah. you know, that, that's, not, that's, just, that's not his character. But that's really – I'm telling you, just keep an eye on that. Like everybody, everybody, keep an eye on Bob Stoll at the end of this year. I'm not – I don't got no basis off this. I'm just saying – Dude, 71, he's had a, a – I would say that he's had a pretty distinguished career. You know, obviously the last seven, eight years here at UTEP haven't been the rosiest, you know, in terms of on-field success. But, I mean, the guy went and, and <laughs> made himself a career, and he's – I think he's one foot out the door, man. That's my opinion. But that's that's a bigger question there, and that's something that we'll definitely keep an eye on the rest of the season. Real quick, let's run down these Conference USA power rankings. It's actually interesting, man, because – you know, up top, it's not as clear anymore as it was a few weeks back. Like, a, a few weeks back, you really knew. Who'd you put number one? I actually didn't vote this week. I'm confessing that. Um, first week, I haven't voted in a really long time. And I just, I, I'm kind of out of tune right now, man. Like, <laughs> it, and it's tough. It was a tough week to vote because, you know, you've got Western Kentucky, who's now 4-3. and three. You've got Louisiana Tech, who's now 4-3. and three. You've got Middle Tennessee, 4-2, and two, coming off that loss to, to Western Kentucky. It, it's just, a, it, and it's such a jumble up top now like everybody's two and one look at that you've got of the of the top six teams five of them are two and one four of those are in conference usa you know old dominion who's at number five is the only team that doesn't have a loss in conference usa you know fiu is undefeated true at number seven three and oh most wins in conference conference usa is a clusterfuck is that what you're trying to say these last (laughs) two weeks it really did it really did but running down them real quick 
Uh, Western Kentucky still holding in that top spot, 181 total uh, points, nine first-place votes. They knocked off Middle Tennessee, 44-43 uh, this past weekend. Double that was a overtime. damn good game. Good game, man. They got Old Dominion Art. this week, and we'll find out if Old Dominion's for real. I don't That's... know that they can beat Western Kentucky, but I've said that before, and I was wrong, so we'll see what happens. Louisiana Tech comes in at number two, and they had six first-place votes, four and three also, two and I one. I voted number one. 56-28 at UMass, and, and that was a game that we talked about. You know, we, we said, is this – this will be a game where they need to take care of business. And it was close in the third quarter, too. It was it was a one-score game in the third quarter, and they opened it up. Do you see the receivers' numbers? 12 catches, 326 yards, five tuds. Carlos Henderson, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to say, was that Julio Jones? Or? <laughs> they have FIU on the road this weekend. That'll be a chance for FIU to really establish themselves as a top team in this conference, if they are. I mean, if they beat – granted, it's at home, so they've got that, that upper hand there. But if they beat Louisiana Tech, this is a team that's going to fall right up into yeah. that top spot. Um, Middle Tennessee comes in at number three, four and two, also two and one on, on the season in Conference USA. They just lost to Western Kentucky as a measure point. Uh, they're at Missouri this weekend. Um, Southern Miss comes in at number four now, four and three. They're on a bye. They just lost to LSU, forty-five to ten. Old Dominion's now uh, coming off a bye at four and two, two and zero. Oh, and like like we said, at Western Kentucky, UTSA against UTEP. Man. I just every time I see the name UTEP, I'm just like God be with the miners. God be with the miners, indeed. Um, you know UTSA three and three, two and one. They, they're coming off that win over Rice, so they've got they're riding high a little bit. And they still got um, North Texas and Charlotte. That's a team that could really make some noise out here, man. That's a team that really could. FIU coming in at three and four, three and zero oh in conference. They're against La Tech, as we talked about. North Texas. North Texas is a team that has climbed out of that cellar, bro. I don't know they what to make of them. Three, but two, and one. They battled on by, and then they got Army, who we saw what Army did. To, but I mean, if they can even make it a game against Army, that's yeah. that's going to say a lot for this team. So we'll see what happens. Marshall is now down to number nine. Well, they were at nine last week, but they have dropped considerably. When was the last time Marshall was lower than like three? And it's got to be at least like six years because they've been at the top of the league, you know, you know for at least four or five years. So it's got to be way back when. Uh, but they come in at number nine. They've, they've got a game against Charlotte this weekend, so they'll hopefully be able to rebound for them. Uh, Charlotte comes in at number 10 now, two and five, one and two. Uh, FAU number also tied number 10. Uh, and uh, UTEP, damn, 12. Ain't nobody voting the first this week, bro. <laughs> oh, oh, I, put them, I put them 12. I think that's exactly where I had them. Oh, I, had them I had them 12. That's exactly where I had them. Rice comes in at number thirteen. They need a how bunch. far? How far are we fallen from putting people number one down to number twelve, man? No bueno. I feel like we just ended on like a, a complete <laughs> low note, like like it just but <laughs> kill, bro. Like oh, bro, number twelve. But you know what? That thinking. Look, maybe, 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 like Jared mentioned, you know, Sean Kugler had this team ready to play and. They'll make a game of it and have a chance to win. Like that's really all you can ask for, right? UTEP, in a game like this, I and mean, UTEP's undefeated and haven't been scored on the Alamo Dome. So that's, that's true. That is true. One and zero. 33-0, right? 34. 34-34. Jimmy, Jimmy, shout out to Jimmy Musgrave with that pick six. Almost had me cheering in the press box. <laughs> oh man, well there y'all have it. Another episode of the Rush Podcast in the books. Y'all know where to find us: sbnminorrush@gmail.com at sbnminorrush on Twitter. SPN, I'm sorry, no, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush. Uh, what's your Twitter, man? Let everybody know what your Twitter is. Nicholas Alex 915 Y'all don't even know what mine is because I don't even get on there very rarely, but 
I only play high find school this. football. Y'all know where to find us. Always chime in, call in, let us know what you want to hear, talk about. If you want to help out with the rush, let us know. Peace. Peace. Peace.